In the Gospel today, John the Baptist sends two disciples who ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come? Now, what exactly does that mean? And then, of course, Jesus, in true form, doesn't say yes or no, but instead says, Oh, look at all the things that I am doing. They fulfill something. So what this dialogue is all about, of course, is John is asking Jesus, Are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed of God, the Christ? And Jesus says, Yes, because I am uh, fulfilling the prophecies. We hear that in our first reading today, of course, these prophecies that will signify the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is doing them. So this gives us the opportunity, especially as we draw near to Christmas, to really examine what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah? Not just uh, the Jewish conception of the Messiah either, but what does it really mean that he is the one who is to come? Because the truth is that God has been preparing us for his coming from the beginning of the world. So I've got some visuals today uh, because I thought it would be... uh, these are important concepts for us to know. So I, I've got some volunteers who are going to help me, my servers and some of the uh, other kids in the parish. So come on up if you would. And just have a seat here on the step. So we want to examine the ways in which God has, like, promised the coming of the Messiah. You can sit down. It's all good. The promise, the coming of the Messiah, and then fulfilled those promises. So let's see... Uh, can start here. So, Josh, stand like right here on the step. There, come over there. Stand like behind Anna here, and then face in that direction. See, this is the problem of hitting a round curve. I have to take care of both sides of you at once. So, all right. So, everybody knows John three sixteen, but every good Christian should also know Genesis three fifteen. Because that is the very first time in the Bible that God promises the one who is to come. This is right after the um, Adam and Eve have committed the original sin, and God is pronouncing these curses, you know, that result from the sin. And when he's talking to the serpent, actually, in John 3.15, or sorry, John Genesis 3.15, he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. The literal word there is between your, her seed and yours. He will crush your head while you strike at his heel. So this, of course, is Jesus. Jesus uh, is promised here at the very beginning of salvation history as the one who will come to crush the head of the serpent. All the evil that has been brought into the world by Satan will someday be undone. That's the promise. The one who is to come will crush the head of the serpent. Now, then we get to uh, Abraham. The great covenant with Abraham is the the next uh, time that someone is going to come. And, of course, the big promise to Abraham is that uh, he is again, there's going to be a seed involved here. A seed is one... Other side, Maria. There you go. Anyway, we're going to go across this direction here so people over here can see. 
So stand up a step. And yeah, there you go. Awesome. awesome. Uh, this seed, the word seed in the Bible can mean, of course, all of Abraham's descendants, the people of Israel eventually, right? And that is certainly true. Through the people of Israel, all the nations on earth, that's the promise that God makes to Abraham. He says, in you, you all the nations of the earth will find blessing. That's true because it is through the people of Israel that all the nations of the earth learn that there is one true God and to worship that one true God. But in a much deeper way, Jesus fulfills that promise. He is the seed who will bring blessing to all the nations because he is the one now who will reconcile God and man. Because he is God and man. He is able to bring the two of us together again. So that's the, the, the second thing that we learn about Jesus is the Messiah. You know, not only he's the one who crushes the head of the serpent, but he is the one who will bring blessing, blessing to every nation. He fulfills that. Now, the next time we hear about somebody coming uh, who's going to do something for the, the world is actually uh, with Moses. You know, Moses... Uh, Every year, at, when we, especially in Advent, we hear about John the Baptist, you know, and um, when the Pharisees go out to talk to John the Baptist, you know, they ask him, are you Elijah? No, he says. And then they say, are you the prophet? You ever wonder about that? Like, what's the difference between Elijah and the prophet? Why don't they just say a prophet? Why don't they say the prophet, right? Well, it's because of Moses. So uh, when the people of Israel first encounter God on Mount Sinai, he appears to them in thunder and lightning and fire and all these great things, they're totally terrified. And they say, we never want to hear God speak to us again. You just talk to Moses from now on, right? And Moses becomes uh, the one who goes up the mountain. So in Deuteronomy 18 here, Moses is reminding the next generation of that before they go to the promised land. This is what he says. He says, a prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kindred. That is the one to whom you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not again hear the voice of the Lord my God, nor see this great fire anymore, or I will die. And the Lord said to me, what they have said is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kindred, and put my words into the mouth of the prophet. The prophet shall tell them all that I command. Anyone who will not listen to my words, which the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will hold accountable for it. So when, when they say that John is not the prophet, this is what they're talking about. Jesus is the prophet. Not just any old prophet, but the prophet who becomes the mediator, right? So that's really what Moses is for God's people. He becomes the mediator between God and his people. Well, that is exactly what Jesus has come to do in the, the most complete way. He is the one who is able to mediate between God and man, right? Uh, and so... He is not just the one who crushes the serpent or the one who blesses all the nations, but he is the prophet and mediator, the one who is like the Now, 
The next, this is a, an interesting story that you may remember. The next time we hear about someone who is to come, it is when the people of Israel are entering into the promised land to take it over. And uh, so the pagan nations that live there, they are afraid. They hear that the, God's people are coming in, right? And uh, that they, God has done all these uh, marvels for them to take them out of Egypt. They're afraid. So one of the kings uh, that lives in the Holy Land, he's smart, and he decides he's going to get this pagan prophet to curse, to call down these curses upon God's people. This is the prophet Balaam. A lot of us maybe have heard something about Balaam because, you know, he was the one who had his donkey talk to him. You remember this story? There's like an angel standing in the road, which his donkey can see, but he cannot. And uh, so he's trying to get his donkey to go past his angel, and finally the donkey turns around and talks to him with a human voice and says, Don't you see there's an angel? And he's like, My donkey just talked to me. <laughs> well, after he gets past all of that, uh, he gets to the place where he's supposed to be cursing Israel, but even though he is a pagan prophet, God refuses to allow him to curse. Every time that he tries to curse, he ends up blessing Israel. He does, he does this four times, and the fourth time, he says this. I see him, though not now. I observe him, though not near. This is interesting. Who is he talking about? He says, a star shall advance from Jacob, and a scepter shall rise from Israel that will crush the brows of Moab and the skulls of all the Sephites. And of course, he goes on to talk about all the, the different uh, nations that he will crush. Uh, but the point is, of course, that this, this star, this star which arises from Jacob, will become the ruler of all nations. That is, again, what Jesus has come to do. What does it mean that he is the one who is to come, that he is the Messiah? Well, it means that not just he crushes the serpent or blesses the nations or is the mediator, but he will be the ruler of all, of all the world. And this is where we finally start getting into what we normally think of as the idea of the Messiah, as the one who will rule God's people, bring uh, you know, justice to the nations. Now, that idea gets refined when we get to the next promise coming, and that is the one to King David. You know, David is uh, the great king of Israel, not just because he did so much, uh, when he was the king, but because he was a king after God's own heart. And so after he brings the temple or the uh, Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he decides that he wants to build a temple for God. Well, God sends him a prophet and says, you know, thanks, but you're not going to build me a temple. Your son, your son is going to build me a temple, but I will build you a house. By which he means, of course, that the, the son of David, the line of David, will always remain upon the throne. So what this equates to is a promise that the Messiah, the, the coming ruler who will rule forever, right? Because his, his kingdom will never end, will come from the tribe of David. That, of course, is why it, Jesus obviously fulfills this prophecy. This is why it's so important that Joseph is of the tribe of David. Jesus is counted as the son of Joseph, who is of the tribe of David. So his kingdom will last forever because he is the son 
of David. Now, this becomes tricky, of course, because the line of David does not last forever as far as human kingdoms go. There's the Babylonian captivity, and after the Babylonians come and destroy uh, Jerusalem and take a lot of people into captivity, there is never again a king of David's line that actually sits on the throne. So that's a problem. What are we to say about that? How will God now fulfill this promise of the coming Messiah? The, that's where we get to the prophets, like we hear in our first reading today, right? And the prophets begin to understand that this kingdom, that this king who will come, is not just coming like any regular king, but he is going to establish a kind of definitive kingdom, a different kind of kingdom, something that's deeper than a worldly kingdom. It will be a kingdom of justice and peace, complete justice and peace, right? That's why we hear about, uh, you know, the lame being healed and the uh, lepers being cured and uh, all these wonderful things. Think of the other passages in the prophets where, like, the lion and the lamb lay down together and the child and the snake uh, play together, right? It'll be a kingdom of perfect justice and peace. And uh, it'll be, of course, associated with the end of the age. So that, that is fulfilled by Jesus as well. Oh, we've got like an extra one over here. You guys can hold this together. Over there. Good. Go stand over there. And you Perfect. All right. So it'll be a kingdom of... All the way at the end, guys. There you go. Keep it in order. The kingdom of justice and peace. This is uh, what Jesus is proclaimed, that he has come to make this kingdom of justice and peace. So this, when we think about, uh, on Christmas Day, the coming of the Messiah, this is what we mean. God has made all of these promises, and he has fulfilled all of these promises in Jesus Christ. He is the one who crushes the head of the serpent. He's the one who blesses all the nations. He's the mediator and prophet. He is the one who rules over the whole world, and his kingdom, as the son of David, will last forever, and it will be a kingdom of justice and peace. Which brings us to the final question. If this is who Jesus is, if he is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all God's promises, then if he has already come, why don't we see all this already achieved? Why is there still sin in the world? Why do we still uh, need a mediator? Why is there not a kingdom of justice and peace in the world? There are two ways that we have to answer that question. The first is to say, Jesus' first coming, the one that we're about to celebrate at Christmas, was a hidden coming. He has not yet come in glory. It is only at the end that he will come in glory. Now, because he has come, though, we are already in the last day, the end of the age. We've been in that for the past 2,000 years. And people might be like, well, that's a really long time to be in the last days, right? But as St. Peter says, God does not delay as some count it delay. Rather, he is patient with us so that he might have mercy and all may be saved. So we will, we will literally see all of these things fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he comes again, which is, of course, what we're preparing for also in Advent. But there's another important way that we have to answer that question. Why do we not yet see these things fulfilled? 
because they are being fulfilled in the church, in us. We, since we are the body of Christ, we are called to be the Messiah and to begin to fulfill these things in the world. Maybe only as a seed, maybe only as a sign, but every time that we crush sin in ourselves, we are joining with he who crushes the serpent's head. Every time that we reach out to help somebody who is sick, we are healing the lame. Every time that we uh, bring someone who is in sin back to grace, we are raising the dead. You know, every time that we help someone go back to God, we are becoming like that, that mediator. This is what Jesus means when he says to John about John the Baptist, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because we are literally the body of Christ. We are Jesus Christ in the world. And so we have the, the responsibility and the power of the Messiah. So we, we can, uh, you all can go back to your seats now if you want to collect your papers. Let's give them a round of applause. I appreciate their help. So I hope uh, this gives us something to think about as we prepare for Christmas. As we celebrate Jesus as the Messiah, as the one who is going to come, we want to understand what exactly that means. Because not only does it help us to understand the great uh, gift that God has given to us in Jesus Christ, but it also reminds us of our responsibilities. If we are really to be other Christs, then we have to take up this role of the Messiah and work until that kingdom of peace and justice is finally established when Christ comes again.